Welcome to the Big Church Podcast. We are a church in Barrie, Ontario, Canada, and we hope you are blessed by this message. For more information, check out our website at bigchurch.cc. presence of God and to be with the family of God. Well done. We'll meet again in person. And all of you online, we're glad you're with us. Um, <clears throat> so uh, I'm excited. I've been uh, just taking a whole focus on Jesus, going through the Gospels. And uh, just watching Jesus. And um, I want to encourage you, you know, if you're discouraged or, you know, you're having a a struggle maybe reading the Word of God, always going back to the Gospels, always looking at Jesus, um, it just revives you. Because Jesus just, he walked into every situation and he just brought life. He brought purpose. He brought um, healing. He brought deliverance he brought just all of God's goodness and when you watch Jesus when you just re, just get your eyes on him he puts faith in your heart and uh, and I, I hope that that's what this does today we're gonna look at um, we're gonna go with the book of John and uh, we're gonna get a lot of Bible today you know why because the Word of God is awesome better than any man's words and you know what the bible speaks for itself and a lot of times you know we think we have to expound on this and expound on that but the word of god speaks for itself and um there's there's two things i want to encourage you with um scripture interprets scripture so god is usually well he is the bible says out of the mouth of two or three wit uh witnesses a a matter will be established so god himself made it so that anything that he established as the truth was not just spoken once he confirmed it whether it be prophetically throughout the scriptures but there's there's never just one scripture when god has a principle it's it's multiple times it's spoken in multiple different ways um so allow scripture to interpret scripture um, because I find a lot of people they'll isolate one thing and they twist it a certain way but if you go back to the other parts where it speaks about it it's in a a different context and so you can take stuff out of context if you're not letting scripture interpret scripture so when you're studying God's word I encourage you to do that and I encourage you also especially in these days speak where the word of God speaks and remain silent where the word of God remains silent. If, the, if you can't see it in the word of God, it's like, well, will my dog be in heaven? Well, the Bible doesn't say whether your dog's going to be in heaven or not. I hope Molly's in heaven. But if she's not, I'm still going to enjoy heaven. <laughs> I'm not going to be, man, I wish I was on earth with Molly. No, when I get to heaven, I think I'm going to be pretty glad I'm in heaven. And, um, but like, 
the scriptures don't speak to that. Like, we, we don't need to waste our energy spe speaking where scripture doesn't speak. So focus on, on what scripture speaks to. And uh, those are just my two nuggets for studying the word of God. It's important. And we need to get in the word, people. We need to get in the word of God because the word brings life. Facebook doesn't bring life. Instagram doesn't bring life. YouTube videos, as great as they are, any preacher. They can give an element, but the word of God gives life. And God wants to speak to you through his word. He wants to encourage every one of us through his word. So we're going to go to John 1. <clears throat> are you ready? So we're going to start right at 1. 1. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God. This is talking about Jesus. And the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him. And nothing was created except through him. And the Word gave life to everything that was created. And his life brought light to only the people he really wanted. You know, let's segregate people. You know, let's pick and choose. And No, Jesus doesn't do that. And he says that light comes to everyone, it says. And it says the light shines in darkness. And the darkness can never extinguish it. Amen? I preached on that last week. But I, I've just been meditating on that. And guys, I want to encourage you. Let light shine. Wherever you feel darkness trying to come, go back and, and say, Jesus, you said your light shines, and the darkness can never extinguish it. So I thank you for more light, for the light of your word, for the light of whatever you want to bring. Verse 6, and God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell all about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, everyone was coming into the world. And he came into the very world he created. But the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But, I love this but, but to all. Everyone say all. All who what? read their Bibles, and prayed four hours a day, did their devos consistently all the time. No, it takes believing, period. A believing heart. And it says here, to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. Amen? And it says here, I love this, they are reborn not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. Amen? We're going to look at this tonight. We're going to look at why born again. We're going we're to look at, at that tonight. So the word became flesh, and he made his home among us. And he was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. Amen? And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. And Jesus or John testified about him when he shouted to the crowds, This is the one who I was talking about when I said, Someone is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. And from 
his abundance, we have all received one gracious blessing after another. Amen? For the law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the unique one, who is God, is near to the Father's heart. And he has revealed God to us. Amen? The one, the one that can reveal him is close to the Father's heart. And he is revealing God to us all the time. You know, there's misconceptions about God continually. There can be distortions because maybe you had a, an earthly father that wasn't a good earthly father. And that carries over into your image of God. But when you get into the word and you ask God to reveal himself, to reveal Jesus through the scriptures, he can bring to life his, literally his heart, literally the essence of who he is. You, we, we try to get this regurgitation from someone and from a message and from all, but there's nothing that replaces getting into the word and receiving a revelation of Jesus for who he is according to the scriptures, according to what he has said. Jesus can be trusted. Amen? And I love this. In John 2, 23, we're just going to read this one verse. Now, we, 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 later on in John there, Jesus does many miracles. And it says, and because of the miraculous signs, verse 23, Jesus did in Jerusalem and at the Passover celebration, many began to trust in him. But Jesus didn't trust them because he knew all about people. No one needed to tell him about human nature. For he knew what was in each person's heart. I find that interesting. Don't you? Jesus didn't entrust himself to people. And you know, this is a perspective that we need to have. And it's a healthy perspective. You don't trust people fully. You trust God in people. It's a big difference. Because Jesus himself said he didn't trust people. The Bible says the heart is deceptive above all things. Who can know it? We can't even know our own heart. There are things sometimes that come out. How many have been surprised all of a sudden, you know, you thought, oh, I'm great, I'm great, I'm great. And then a circumstance happens and something comes out of you and you're like, oh, man, I'm evil. <laughs> and you're like, what? What? I thought there was so much goodness in me. Where did all the goodness go? <laughs> and it's like, what? Why? Because, because even Jesus himself said, you can't trust yourself. You need to trust me. You need to trust my power. You need to trust the Holy Spirit that I have given you to work in you. But he wanted us to trust him. That's why when we pray for government, all this confidence on a political party and all of this. Every political party is going to go here or go there. Why? Because it's controlled by man. The only thing that we need to do is pray that, there, that, that God would work through those people. That 
that the power of God would, would begin to speak and influence them and, and influence their minds. And we need to be praying for that. We need to be confident in God working in them. Not in a party. Because you can get, go up and down and it's, the, you know, it's great. Wow, this is going to be the one that's going to save everything. And then it goes... <laughs> Right? They get some dorky leader that runs it and changes all the principles. And it's just like, it's just like. You know, Jesus came in the Roman Empire. It was a wicked empire. Like, ungodly as anything. And Jesus comes in that time. And still works and still brings light. Even in the midst of it. And isn't even bashing all of that. He's just bringing life. He's bringing life. He's bringing life. And that's what we need to do. Instead of putting down all the different things about government, we should be praying for them. Instead of cursing the darkness, we need to light a candle. And you light a candle by praying into it. And allowing God to begin to work. And we can all do that. Amen? Let's not have so much confidence in, you know, the goodness of people. That goodness is many times motivated. Let's, let's face it. If we're honest, we do things for ourselves. Right? In the back of your mind, you're always thinking, how is this going to benefit me? <laughs> come, on. come on. Okay. When you came into this room... You sought comfort. You know, you thought, how comfortable is the seat? You know, you're, you're putting on your comfy coat to go outside. Everything is about comforting you. Come on. Think about how much it's just, it's about us. <laughs> oh, you're like, oh, I'm, I'm such a selfless person. I, I, I Follow that person around for a while. <laughs> It's why, because human nature, Jesus knew what was in a heart. And apart from Jesus himself, and we're going to look at the, why we need to be born again. Why we need a rebirth. Because we die to something and we live for something. And you need to be reborn to be able to live in the kingdom of God. And live this, this walk out with Jesus and we're going to look at this. And so, <clears throat> but, but let's, like Jesus, let's realize, let's not put all our confidence in people, all of our validation, and, you know, all this approval that we need from people, because things come and go, and crowds say this, and crowds say that, and then it changes here, and it changes there. Let's just follow Jesus, seek to please him, seek to honor him, and live for him. And it's, it frees you from all of that. Amen? And he causes us to be able to be selfless like him. Not in our own ability, but his ability working in us. And so, in the midst of this, all of these miracles happening, there's a leader, a religious leader named Nicodemus. And we're going to look at this in John 3. And he was um, a Jewish religious leader. We're going to look at this in verse 1. It says here, there was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader, who was a Pharisee. And after uh, 
after dark one evening, so he had to come in secret, right? Couldn't let all of his friends know he's going to see Jesus because Jesus was controversial. But he's like, I cannot get this guy out of my mind. He's like, he's doing miracles. God's with him. Like, what's up with this? He's, he's breaking all our rules. How can he do this? So he's like, he's going to him in secret. And he came to speak to Jesus. And he said, Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. So they knew this. They knew it by the words he taught, by the miraculous signs. He says, your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, or another translation says, born from above, you cannot see the kingdom of God. I want us to just repeat that again. I tell you the truth. So in other words, he's not lying today. He's telling him the truth. He's like, he's like this is like the, this is really important, what he's saying. He says, Unless you are born again or born from above, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus is like, what do you mean? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? And Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. <clears throat> or... Um, and then it says here, humans can re reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. Or what is born of the Spirit is spirit. So he's saying, look, you're seeing it at an earthly level. You're seeing this in just a natural level. But he says, just like you were born into this, this earthly kingdom, you can be born into a spiritual kingdom. You can be born into something that is from the Spirit of God that, that gives life. You literally have to be born again into this. Because he said if you don't, you will not see it, first of all. Then the second time he says, and if you, if you are not born of the, of the water and the Spirit, which is, is the Word of God and the Spirit of God, if those things are not central, then you cannot enter. You cannot walk in this new kingdom. You cannot walk in this new life. How many want to walk in the new life with God? Not just up and down and, and in and out and, and hope for this and hope for that. No. There, there is realities that we live in. The Bible says if anyone is in Christ, they are what? A new creation. Old things have what? Passed away. All things have become new. Amen? Now, if you had a big nose before you got saved, you're going to have a big nose after you got saved, right? It didn't change in the natural. But in the spiritual, something changed. How many, you remember that when you, when, you, when you were born again, when you gave your life to Jesus, that it, it's just like a light bulb went on. It's just like purpose came. And it's just like, like I'm eternal. I'm going to live for eternity. It's just, it's just a reality that just, and you look at things different. And you can't go out and sin and enjoy it anymore. Right? You go out and try to do the, what you did before, and you're like, this feels gross. This looks, this is stupid. Why? Because you're born again of the Spirit of God. 
and the Spirit brings life. And so he says here, he says here, and look at this, he says here, um, so he says, so don't be afraid, or, or sorry, don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, and just as you can hear the wind, but can't tell where it comes from or where it is going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. So he's saying, look, it's just like wind. You can't see wind, but you see the effects of wind. You see what, what wind does. And he's saying, when you are born of the Spirit, your life begins to, like that wind, it comes in and it begins to affect your life. Literally, you begin to see the effects of that Spirit working in you. Amen? Things begin to change in your life. And you're like, why don't I like this anymore? Why, you know, why, why has this changed? Why did I have this evil desire and now it's, it's turning? And these, these, these things begin to, to work in you. Why? Because, and he says here, you can't understand it. Or you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. It's just like you can't explain wind. Right? We just know what it does. And he's saying you can't explain how someone is born of the Spirit. But you just know. And I'm finding there's people, they, they, they know a lot about Jesus. But... I question, are you born again? Because your desires, are they changing? You have all this knowledge. You can maybe even argue all this about Jesus. But are you literally like beginning to carry his heart and his nature? You know, because it says here, it, it, earlier in John, it said, you know, Moses came and he gave the law. But Jesus came with love and faithfulness, and he, he brought the Father's heart. He came with, with grace and truth. And, you know, the letter kills, Bible, the Bible says, but the Spirit gives life. And you need both. Jesus was the Word, and he became flesh, so he didn't contradict that Word, but he brought life to that. Because we can't measure up to the law that Moses brought. The law was given to show us we can't do it. But Jesus came and he said, through me, you can do it. Through my sacrifice, through my power working in you, you can fulfill this. And it's by faith. Faith in the finished work of what I've done. Faith that I have accomplished this. And we're going to look at this here. Because it says here, um, so he says you can't explain it. He says, how are these things possible, Nicodemus asked. And he's, Jesus replied, you are, you're a respected, verse 10, Jewish teacher, and you don't understand these things? I assure you, we tell you what we know and have seen, and yet you won't believe our testimony. But if you don't believe me when I tell you about earthly things, how can you possibly believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ever gone to heaven and returned, but the Son of Man has come down from heaven. So Jesus is basically telling him, look, I've come down. 
And it says here, and as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. Now, what's he talking about with Moses and the serpent? And, and, and that the, it's going to be raised up. He was talking about his death that, and the death on the cross, but he parallels it to the Old Testament when, when um, the children of Israel were being bit by snakes, poisonous snakes, and it was a curse that came because they murmured against God and against Moses. And the, the snakes came and they were biting people and they were dying. And they, they cried out to God, God help us. And God said, put one of the snakes on a pole. And when the people look at the pole with the snake, they'll be healed. And when he did it, they were. So Jesus was basically showing in a picture, look. I'll take the curse, I will hang it, and all who look to me will be healed, will be restored. It was a parallel. The Old Testament many times parallels and, and prophesies what Jesus was going to do in the future. And Jesus said, so that everyone, and I love this, everyone, it's not exclusive. Not like culture. We're not, we're inclusive, hogwash. Jesus is inclusive. He says everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. Amen? For this is how God loved the world. He gave. Let's just pause there. He gave. He gave. He's, he didn't leave it even at the very beginning in the garden. From the very beginning in the garden, he, first of all, when Adam and Eve sinned and they needed to be separated from God, why? Because God's holiness would have consumed them and killed them because they were in sin. So God protected them. He had to separate them. But the first one he dealt with was the serpent. And he said, he will bruise your head and you will bruise his heel. And he was already prophesying Jesus right there at the very beginning of all of this. And he was showing, look, I'm going to give so that this happens. And he says here, he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him. And when it says in him, it is believing everything Jesus said about himself. You know what I find a lot of people do? They have a concoction of what Jesus is according to their thinking. Why? Because they haven't looked at the scriptures. We need to see Jesus for who he is. According to the scriptures. According to what he says about himself. Because he was loving, he was faithful, but he was also firm. The Bible says he hated evil and he loved 
justice and truth. He, he hated evil. And that's why God anointed him ab above all else, because he, he did both. He's perfect love and he's perfect hate. I don't know about you, but I have perfect hatred for the devil. I don't have one ounce of love for him. I remember when I first got saved, I got saved with this fiery, red-headed Irish girl. And she was bad. And, um, man, she got saved. She got radically saved. And she had a lot of bad friends. And, and she started praying for the devil. She thought the devil could get saved, right? She's like, there's hope for everyone. <laughs> and she's like, I don't, I'm like, um, <laughs> I mean, she had a lot of mercy, I guess. But, um, but there are certain things we need to hate. Why? Because Jesus hated them. Amen? And, and so it says, all who believed in, in him. So believe in who he is and what he believed in. And he says here, um, for everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life or have the God kind of life. And it says here, God sent his son into the world not to judge or condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So his, even his whole heart and his whole attitude and everything that he did was redemptive. Even if he did speak against something or if he was addressing something. You know, a lot of times the Bible says, uh, if you read it, um, they, they tried to trick him with a question. And you know what? He didn't answer the question. He just asked another question that answered their dumb question back. And if they gave the answer, they would have saw how dumb it was. But he didn't fight. He didn't like, like I'm a combative type of personality. I've had to, like, God's had to work on me on that, right? Um, I'm just like, right? Through the years, he's to grind it off, grind it off, and... Because, because Jesus isn't like that. He just speaks truth, but he speaks firm, and he doesn't apologize for who he is or what he stands for. And we, we have to be like that. We have to stand for the things. And that's why Jesus says, look, if you're ashamed of me before men, I'll be ashamed of before my Father of, with you. So he's basically saying, look, you want the good with me, but you don't want the bad with me. You know, the Bible says if we're going we're gonna to serve him, we're going to also suffer with him. We're not greater than our teacher. If our teacher suffered, we, we, can, we will suffer. Amen. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> That's not one of those rah, rah, rahs, but it's part of the package. It's part of it. And there are things that we get from God through suffering that we will not get any other way. There are things that persecution does that causes something in us to rise up. It's like Jesus in us just begins. His grace comes and it fills us in a way that nothing else can. 
And we don't, we shouldn't look for persecution, but how many know it just seems to come? It just seems to float in. <laughs> and you're like, but, but when we stay close to Jesus, when we, when we allow him to be the center of everything that we do, you know, we were talking to someone uh, this week, and they're in a situation where, you know, their livelihood with this whole situation, with everything that's going on. But, you know, they had the right answer. They said, you know what? My whole life's been given to Jesus. This job's his. My future's his. I'm going to pray about it. And I'm going to ask Jesus what he wants me to do for this next step. You know, you know, sometimes we're coming with all these preconceived ideas and we're like, no. It's like, no, we have to lay it all down. We have to just say, okay, Jesus, what do you want me to do with this next step? You know, people are like so hard-nosed on certain things. It's like, did you pray about it? Did you, did you even take time to pray about it? You know, you got this strong stance and this strong, but it's like, did you pray about it? And if you didn't, we really... We really can't have that stand until we've taken that time and we say, okay, no, we have peace in our heart. This is what God wants me to do. Jesus, I'm following you. This is what you have for me. Because if we do it for him, he's the one that's responsible for our lives. Protecting us, keeping us safe, giving us eternal life. The Bible says the devil comes to steal, to kill, and destroy, but Jesus has come that we can have life and have it more abundantly. Amen? That's our position. You know, right now, just I recently just, you know, came through COVID, went through COVID. It is behind me. Amen. Now, the only thing that's not behind me is my taste and my smell. <laughs> now, for a foodie, that's like living without oxygen. It's like not breathing. And I didn't realize how much of my life was around smells and tastes until they're all gone. Now, you know, I could live in, oh, you know, if you're, oh, this is going to come back, you know, and I'm definitely not going to Google it. Because the stories are, it's never coming back, you know, and then you, you got ones. It came back in a week, and you're like, I'm a month, right? And it's like, but what's my position? My position is, first of all, the devil comes to steal and kill and destroy. So COVID came to do that. But COVID can't continue that. Why? Because Jesus came that I can have life and have it more abundantly. So I'm going to have better taste buds than before and better smell than before. Why? Because I'm going to have abundant. So what do I do every day? I just thank Jesus. I thank Jesus for smell and for taste. Why? Because that's the reality I live in. I live not in this natural realm that's subject to what comes and goes and everything else. And yes, I've tried all the gamuts, you know, eating a burnt orange and putting my hand here and flicking the back of my head and putting my... <laughs> yeah, I've tried them all. It's like, I'm a foodie. I'm desperate. <laughs> but I've trusted Jesus in the midst of it. And I'm not stressing out. 
Why? Because the devil doesn't get the final say. Jesus is my Lord. And he says, all who believe in him will be saved. That's not just heaven. That's continually being saved. Saved and redeemed from every situation, from every circumstance, from anything that hell brings your way. I don't care about tribulation. I don't care if we have to live through that whole gamut. Why? Because if Jesus is with us, we can get through it. It doesn't matter pre-trib, post-trib, and whatever trib. Be ready. Be ready. And how do you do that? Stay close to Jesus. And I love because he says this, that if all we do is we need to believe in him and we'll be saved. And it says that Jesus didn't come. Or God didn't send his son into the world to judge it and to condemn it. But to save the world through him. And we've got to just the very essence of the gospel is that we want people to be saved. And they should see that in our actions, in everything that we're doing, that we care about their soul more than anything. And that we value the life that God has given them. And you know, yes, we are all made in the image of God, but we don't become the children of God until we get access through the one who went first, his very own son. And people can have that access. They've been made in the image of God, and there's this cry in them for something more. But we need to show them. And it's not going to come by condemning them and pointing the finger at everything that's wrong. Everyone, uh, most people know everything that's wrong with themselves. And they pointed the finger and condemned themselves more than anyone. We need to be asking God, what is it, God, that, that you can do in this person's life? What is the area where you could bring life? Jesus always came, when you saw him in different situations, he always came and ministered to the need. Whatever that heartfelt need was in, in, in each person, he found it. He found it. And the Spirit of God working in us can do that. And that's the greatest thing that we can do in this time, is we can be those vessels that can bring life in the midst of darkness. Amen? We're encountering people all the time. I hope you have happy eyes at the checkouts. You know, smiling faces, you know, create happy eyes. No one sees the smiley face, but they see the happy eyes. We show patience to those, you know, whatever, Black Friday. You know, you go out there and you're just like, people are like reaming out these, these workers and they're like, I can't help but the stock didn't come in. You know, they're almost crying. They're like, ha! It's like, we got to be that kind word. We've got to be that, that person that cares about that soul. That draws them in. Amen? Through our life. And this is what Jesus did. And then he says here in verse 18, he says, there's no judgment against anyone who believes in him. But anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. You know what's going to be the judgment? 
I believe it's going to be this. I mean, he's going to ask us, what did you do with my son? What did you do with what he did for you? I watched a, a movie, um, it's a true story, Lady Jane, I don't know if you've watched it, but uh, she's a, a, a queen uh, that reigned for only nine days, but you know, she, she stood for a lot of truths and anyway, lost her life for it. But in the movie, there's a, a young prince, a young king. Um, I don't know if he was a, a king yet, he was going to be a king, but he was very, very young. And the princes, or young kings could not get disciplined. They couldn't get a spanking. You did have to be spanked and disciplined for something you did wrong, but what they did with the young kings or princes is they had a whooping boy, and the whooping boy was beat in front of them for what they did. And I remember watching this in the movie, and you see this young boy watching this other boy get beat for what he did. And it was actually harder for him. And that's what Jesus did for us. And, and this is what God was going to ask us. It's what did you do when Jesus became your whooping boy? What did you do with the punishment that you deserved when he took it upon himself? What did you do with that? Did you continue to live on? your own life in your own way? Or did you receive what he did and choose to walk in the new life he purchased for you by his very own blood, by his very own sacrifice? Because I believe that's what we're going to be judged for. God's going to ask us, what did you do with my son? What did you do? Because he died for the sins of the world. Amen? He died for everyone. So we all need to give an account for that. We all do. And it says here, and the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people love darkness more than the light. For their actions were evil. And all who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light so others can see that they are doing what God wants. Or another translation, or they can see God at work in what he is doing. So there's two things that we can do. We can come near to the light we can let it expose so that God can deal with our hearts, fix what he needs to fix, or we run from it because our actions are evil. And how many know you do both, right, if we're honest? We don't always run to the light. Come on. I can't see you in your mask. So I see a few squints, but it's really hard. But, you know... I, I'd like to say I run to the light all the time, but there's, there's some hard things. It's like, mm, no, I'm not ready. Netflix. 
<laughs> no, I don't have Netflix, but I mean, there's always vices. There's things, right? That yeah, but we we need to know this that that light exposes to bring freedom. That Jesus can bring His life into those situations, and so we've got to be those that uh, go to the light and allow God to do that work. Amen. So we're gonna we're gonna partake of communion. Um, those of you that are online, if you want to go and get um, uh, some some juice and some bread, um, <clears throat> we're gonna just partake of communion together, and we're gonna we're gonna come close to the light and allow Jesus to thank you Jesus you want to just start turning things from the background thank you Lord Jesus, we thank you that just as the serpent was lifted up in the, in the wilderness, so you were lifted up on a pole. But you took the curse on mankind. You took it upon yourself. That if we would look to you, if we would believe what you've done, that that curse would be broken. Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We come to you tonight. We come to you believing in what you have done, and we thank you for what you've done. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your unfailing love. We thank you that you paid the price in full. just worship before we partake of communion.
bread. We just thank you for your body that was broken for us. We thank you that the chastisement and the punishment that we deserved, you took upon yourself. We thank you. We thank you, Jesus, that there's nothing that we can do to pay that back. We just have to receive what you've done. So we thank you. We thank you for your perfect forgiveness and your perfect love. We receive that. We thank you for your body that was broken. Let's partake of the bread. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, we thank you for your blood. We thank you that you gave your life to the point of death and it was completely sealed by your blood. We thank you for your, you were the perfect lamb and the perfect sacrifice. Once and for all, the final sacrifice. We thank you for your blood that cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Thank you for the stripes that you bore on your body. Thank you for joining us today. We pray that this message has truly blessed your life. For more information, go to bigchurch.cc.